0: Support for Gig with Mike Redmond comes from Music Connection, for 45 years connecting artists and musicians with each other and the industry. And you can find them on the web at musicconnection.com. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Gig, the ultimate podcast for learning about jobs in the music and film industry. I'm your host, Mike Redman. You know, a large part of my career was composing music for the ad business, and my guest today is Michael Freeman, the executive producer for Ogilvy in New York City. Michael does a terrific job of explaining the role of a music producer within the confines of the ad world. And he shares some things you should think about if you want to do business with him. Michael gets to spend quite a bit of his time in the recording studio working with artists and composers. He licenses music. And he also does a lot of administrative work. But hey... He also gets to work with Netflix, Burger King, and a bunch of other global brands, making music happen for cool, tiny, little 30-second films. I've done it, and it actually is really, really cool. Hey, how you doing? Good. I like this look. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I got beardy. Yeah, you did get beardy. I decided
1: to not like, fight against it. I just like always wanted to be a beard, and I was like, all right, fine. You win. So how
0: are you? I'm all All right so you're the executive music producer I am yep. at, at Ogilvy and Mather and I just wanted to start off by asking you a simple question tell us about what you do um sure so uh do a lot it's a big question you can take your time
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I oversee all music coming um, out of Ogilvy uh, New York and now Chicago so um you know we have our list of clients when they ever need something produced for TV online social whatever it is like uh, you know something has it has to sound like something, um, and mm-hmm. it's my job to <laughs> help them make it sound like something. So that's original music uh, composition um, that I'm producing. I'm, I'm not writing. Um, I'm sourcing music, uh, clearing music, uh, working in you know with uh, sometimes directly with the client, uh, more mm-hmm. time than not directly with the account teams, um, and always with the creative teams and the producers. Um, and then you know just it's it's, a lot of people are surprised to see how much goes into creating like a 30 second commercial and how many
0: people are involved what's the coolest thing about your job
1: um well it kind of goes into a little bit about your question about um why advertising over like film tv and stuff is that i love i love working in advertising for a lot for a lot of reasons like one is um I get to work on a lot of different projects all at once. Uh, it suits my brain really well. Um, and that's just a lot of different genres with a lot of different people. Um, and it's it's very, very, very quick turnaround where film you could really sit on something for a while. Um, and which is great too, because you're really creating like a whole sonic palette around, you know, uh, around the project. But um uh, in advertising, it's 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 a lot of eyes and ears on one 30-second spot or one spot and be amazed like like how like the idea of like perfection within the 30 seconds and how much money is being spent and thought about it in the 30 seconds it's really um i don't know it's really cool and then i've done a lot of i've done tv stuff and like promos which i like i like too uh and they're and oh well, the promo stuff is i guess advertising for t for things, but um but t- but tv projects as, as well i don't know i just like really love working in advertising so i, I think the coolest part i would say is just the breadth of the type of work that I get to do, like and and um, and just like the sheer quantity of it, it's
0: intimidating by some, but
1: but for me, like it suits me, so I, I like it.
0: It all makes sense. I mean, I, that I mean that's what I. A lot of my career was writing music for commercials. So, you know, scoring a, a Disney spot, it was 30 seconds, and it has 12 attractions in it and everyone's a different style of music in 30 seconds. For me, that was like Nirvana. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I noticed when I was kind of reading your bio somewhere, uh, talking about that you, know, you, you do some a little bit of music supervision and Produced some film that was on, what, BBC South by South? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, yeah, I worked
1: on a like that. a couple years ago called Gay Horse Keep South. It was a documentary about the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir when they went down to the South. And um, it was right around the time when Trump got elected to to, to basically sing uh, in, like, rural communities and rural churches and stuff. Um, yeah, but it premiered at, Trimeca, at Tribeca. Tribeca won the Audience Award and kind of just... Um, got picked up by MTV and actually was like, um, they turned it, they chopped it up and turned it into like a a series. Uh, Oh, yeah. Uh yeah. Well, that's cool. If if you ever download it and watch it on Amazon, you'll notice some really odd cuts on there and that's just because of where they cut it up to make it into, uh, make it for TV.
0: Did you always wanna be a music producer? Did you know you were gonna work in the ad business? I mean, as opposed to film and TV, or how did that kind of come about for you?
1: Yeah, uh, the answer to that is no. Um, I grew up in New Orleans and I um, am a clarinetist. um, And I went to uh, NOCA, which is New Orleans Center for Creative Arts. It was just, it's, and I studied jazz and that's what I did. And I I initially went to Berkeley for jazz performance. but I realized that playing Dixieland jazz clarinet was not a thing outside of New Orleans that was going to make me a <laughs> career, so I had to explore other options. Uh, so I kind of like spun the wheel of music industry things that I could do, and took business classes, and took production classes, and composition, and all that stuff. And and uh, I I think you know I, I I still play, I still love to play, but um, I sort of. Realized that i just needed i just wanted to work in music and i wanted to just explore as much as i could uh, within the industry and like things i love to do so i started off working at a record label um and then i worked at a post-production mastering studio um, and then eventually uh landed an internship at an ad agency um and i had no idea it was a job i, I literally was just a very uh highly motivated uh upstart who just would like really wanted to just like figure out what i wanted to do i knew i always knew i wanted to be in music but i just didn't know where like what space you know was right for me and and quite honestly who would even have me because i definitely had a lot of internships and jobs that i would have kept that like you know they're like hey thanks for the free work see you later
0: uh, (laughs) welcome to welcome to the music industry
1: (laughs) exactly so i was like this is great and i and i happen to Uh be just very good at it and i just like a lot of things combined and, and, and just like worked out. And, uh, um, I started my career at
0: one agency and gone through two others. And now Yeah, I'm- you've been at some great agencies and had worked on some great, amazing accounts. So, um, mm-hmm. am I to assume that your, uh, Dixieland jazz is your favorite style or genre of music?
1: I mean, it was when I was, it was, was, well, it wasn't just Dixieland, it was like swing jazz, big band, all that stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just it's funny as a teenager like that's like you know you're driving in your car you're rolling down your windows and you have like you know Louis armstrong blasting out your car it's not really it's quite as hardcore as (laughs) other kids
0: do you work um primarily in that 30 and 60 second space
1: uh mostly yeah uh, primarily, I mean, it, it's now with the amount of like online work coming out. Um, You know, media buys aren't always like thirty seconds anymore. Um We do have a lot. to Well, we've always even TV had a lot of fifteen second cut downs, but there's more like six second bumpers and really weird times now. <laughs> that mm-hmm. you know, uh, we're creating a lot of content with like in, like influencers on Instagram and TikTok and stuff, and so that oh, that also yeah, so some of those are actually just it's just straight music um, that we supply and then they use um, to create their own content with. So that's also an interesting thing.
0: Was there a time when you just kind of worked on a project and you thought to yourself, you know, because we all have a little bit of imposter syndrome. So is was, was there a time when you just kind of like said to yourself, wow, I'm I'm actually really good at this?
1: Yeah. I mean it's been interesting. my my imposter syndrome is interesting because like again, like I kind of moved up. Like I started as an I started as an intern and then I got to the point where our head of head of music, it was at McGary Bowen, he had left and there's a new guy that came in and I was doing um a lot of the work but i was very young to be doing a lot of the work and <laughs> we shouldn't say this on the podcast but like they kind of like a lot of ways kind of like ship shipped me out of there because i think i was not um making him look good uh so i ended up uh running my own department at captain thaler which is now publicist and um I think even, even then I still always, it wasn't really an imposter syndrome, I guess, but I just always felt very young to be doing what I was doing. And I guess in there in life, it's like an imposter syndrome because a lot of people that occupied the same jobs that I, I had were like a good 20 plus years older than me. And I was like this, like young kid who just like came in and just like started just like doing everything with lots of opinions. Yeah. 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 And then I, and then I moved over to Ogilvy. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was the coolest thing because I'd always admired the work coming out of there. And it was such like a I don't know, it's just a storied agency. And and the brands that I had worked on when I they're not there anymore, but we had like, you know, like stuff like American Express and blah, 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 like just these very like like big legacy brands that have, you know, lived there for you know, for decades and, and I was like this is cool, I get to work on this. And then just the sheer size of the place was like intimidating. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh it was it was very it was, yeah, it was very cool to like step into those doors. But even then, I still felt like I st- it, it took me like a year or so to feel like, okay, like I got this and like, oh, and then I started, you know, working my way up.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's that's awesome. I always love to hear those stories because, you know, we all have a different version of that story. how do you work most closely with it at an agency kind of tell me how you know how a project comes across your desk either it's like one of two ways usually uh one way
1: it's either my relationship with the creative team so i'll have a creative director or an art director somebody comes to me and say hey michael we're, we need some ideas for some some things can we pick your brain and then i jump in and do that um most of the time it's usually with like a producer will reach out to me and say like hey we got this thing going into production um here's what we are uh looking for blah 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 here's the creative direction here's how much money we have here like whatever and then then i have to figure out um you know do we are we going to write for it are we going to find music for it are we going to do a little bit of both and you know i'll connect with the creative team see what they're thinking and then you know we're off to the races
0: You ever had that assignment that you thought when you heard about it, you said, "This, is, this is friggin' impossible."
1: Um, sure. <laughs> impossible. Uh, tell me a story about. Yeah, it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the reality is like possible. Impossible isn't usually impossible means no money, <laughs>
0: and they want. That's I guess because I was just gonna say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: they usually want something really big, and everyone's already like they have not they 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 included me. On the back end of the project so they've already sold it through to the client um actually this happened this actually you don't have to use I, the name but i won't say i won't say the name of the brands because i don't get in trouble but uh i was just working on a on a on a psa and they sold through this idea of doing this like really big song and we're going to remix it with like a rihanna level artist and blah blah blah, 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 blah. they like promise them the world promise them the world and I had no idea any of this stuff was happening. So then they come to me and they say, Hey, here's what we want. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you have for money? They're like, we have no money. I'm like, well, you know, like, I do that
0: like <laughs> the one is you have to license this
1: like, song. This is a yeah. really famous song. Like, I know this is for a good cause, but like it, gratis isn't really like, it doesn't happen very often. Like unless it's some weird way they have a relationship with like what the, the brand is. I don't know. It just doesn't normally happen. So I was like, "Okay, well, I'll explore this for you, but like here's like something else that we that we can do. So what I did was I uh hit up my connections within like the labels. I was seeing like who's uh, who was releasing new music blah blah blah. And it so happened that there was like a really bigger artist who had a song that was out there that like fit the brief like perfectly um it's sort of what we do is right we like source me like find stuff and uh um. I worked it out with them and we collaborated directly with the label, pr- promoted it within our our back end with the with the clients. And then also the label also pushed it out on their side of things with their PR teams. And it was just like win win for everybody. It was really cool. But it was just one of those things where like you had to take <laughs> something that was impossible. Like, no, there's, there's never like it is never like a total no. It's like no,
0: but blah, blah, blah or whatever. You can't you can't just say like you're not going to be able to make it happen yeah you kind of you said something in there that was uh you said I'll check into this and I gave him another idea too yeah I think that's the thing it's like yeah you you're a problem solver you know I they come to you because they know you're gonna figure out how to get something done that's gonna work yeah I never I never
1: flat out tell anybody that it something is impossible there's sure sort of something that may seem impossible and you may have to like pivot and change your idea of like what you consider is the right thing or what's good but at the end of the day like you know you will Something's going to go on it, it's not going to be sound, you know, it won't be like mute. So,
0: (laughs) we'll just have to (laughs) Um, eventually something's going to be on that spot, right? And you
1: just want everyone to be excited about it, too. I mean, a lot of times, but you know, by the time
0: people
1: come to me and they're at and they're uh they're asking for music, they've already spent like so much time working on something, so it's like they've They've already they've been writing it, and they've sold it through, and then they've gone to the client and they've done the product like and all that stuff. So the last thing that they need is for me to come in and be like, I should just be exciting for them, you know they get to like tie it all together, create the music, and it's just it's you know it I don't want to be like another added <laughs> burden or something to their production process so or, or the
0: or the wet blanket or the wet yeah. blanket exactly. Yeah. So, um, uh, shoot, I had a question I was going to ask you. I just forgot what it was, but I have a bunch of them. So, when you're creating music for a spot, uh, and I used to do this, I would, you know, I'd work on a KFC thing and I'd write a version for the South. I'd write a version for Canada, you the know, same theme and everything. Do they still do that? Do you still? customize one country and, and everything for a campaign
1: um they they might i mean i haven't done anything regional like that within the u.s but we ogilvy
0: has um
1: lots of offices around the world and i know that there is functioning so like i work on absolute um and i know that like we create content specifically for like for the asian market and for different parts of europe you know south america and they but it's it's the same creative. They may overdub in like the, the AVO and change the language. In um, some cases, they actually kept the creative. They just swapped out the characters to look more like the people that are in that region, which I had never actually seen before. That was anyone, but um, so yeah, I've seen it like I've seen it like through the different uh, parts of the world, but I haven't seen it like that
0: localized, like where it's like that regional. Do you have a spot that you've done that sticks out in your mind as one of the ones you're most proud of? Oh man. <laughs> Let me get back. I mean, I, there's always my
1: favorite one. We talked about this. Yeah, there's always my I mean my favorite one that I will always like think back to, which I don't know if like it creatively was the best spot in the world, but um I think I mentioned this to you before. Like I got to work with Aretha Franklin on an Amex spot. And like, I mean, I don't need to say much more about that. it, which is it's cool. <laughs> yeah. And you were in the studio, right? Yeah, in the studio. We worked, we recorded her, we did VO with her. Um, I forgot to bring an album for her to sign. So she signed the back of the VO script.
0: And <laughs> I still have that. Oh, that's good. At least she didn't sign your hand. Yeah. Or no, no. It's uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like
1: literally on the back of like a VO piece of paper, like script. Uh-huh. Cool. Do you get to spend a lot of time in the studio? Uh, I used to a lot, um, really a lot. And then And everything has just gone very mobile now um and i it, it was kind of leaning that way before um and then because of all the because of covid and working through zoom like majority of my sessions now are just like i have a mix session radio mix session uh music for radio mix session tomorrow and that's all um over zoom like everything's over zoom
0: So you were on the Clio uh, jury a few years ago. How, what was that experience like?
1: Um, that one was interesting. I mean, I've done I've done a lot of different awards before, um, but the Clio I thought was I actually really liked because it was like a one day thing where everybody together and they're watching everything together and judging and talking about it, and then you have the opportunity like you do your like a first your first blush like no, judgment number whatever it is, and then. Um, everyone talks about it and then you have the opportunity to like or change if you like if someone convinced you one way or the other like you have your ranking or something um, uh, but it, but more than that it was just cool to like be around your peers and like be in person because the majority of the times you just get sent a link and then you just like re- you just like watch things over and you just kind of rank it and it's very like, individualized but this was this was cool to like have actual like conversations with people about it
0: Can you tell me about a project that went sideways and how you actually fixed it?
1: Oh, uh, sure. Um, let's see. I've had a couple. (laughs) Uh, which one do I want to talk about? Yeah, we can talk about the, uh, The Amex one, I guess we can talk about because that one initially went sideways. We we licensed um we licensed a original Aretha Franklin song, uh the uh, publishing. And on the back end of the spot, they wanted to cut to like archival footage of her singing it. So the beginning part of it was a documentary, she's singing live. Um, You Make Me Feel Like an Everyday Woman. And then the back end cuts into her, these three background singers singing it from like, you know, the 70s. And um everything was fine um we but for I don't know if this is too granular but for like sag purpose yeah for like sag purposes we had to reach out to those three singers for background singers and get their permission um one of them had passed away the other one was like not to be found anywhere like we just couldn't get in touch like we flew to Detroit we tried to find them we talked to her sister who we tracked down who still worked at a hair salon that was like part like I mean we really like tried to prove that like we like went and search for these these women that were in and so we can pay them and we just couldn't find them so um we were scrambling this this premiered on the Oscars and we had like maybe a week before it was shipping to go on for the Oscars and um we had to go back in and basically create a version of the song where we had the original master but we record the three background singers on it so we took up we took their of it and then made it match. Uh, so that way, it didn't sound like too like that there was like a mismatch between this like new recording and the and the recording. Um, yeah. And I was like, it was just a mad scramble to like make that all happen. But, um, but yeah, but when you work with pros and, you know, people know what they're doing, you can book a studio
0: real quick, try to find the right singer, to get them in and <laughs> pretend like they used to sing for Aretha Franklin. So we're going to wrap up with this, Michael, since one question uh it could be a run-on sentence if you like about if i wanted to if i was out there looking at all the different jobs in the entertainment world and i thought wow i want to do what he does how would i get started and get my foot in the door um that's a good question it's these jobs are very very
1: very few and far between and and it's and they're shrinking <laughs> like very quickly um because a lot of stuff's getting outsourced um i think the best way to do it is to, is is to let me think about that. It's it's tough. Like I know the people that are doing it. I don't know if agencies anymore are going to be hiring staff music people anymore. I think one day when I kick the bucket or <laughs> I resign or something. I don't know if they would replace me to be honest. So like I just think that these jobs are just not. I think what's going to happen is is that there there's you know this, this like product production commercial uh music houses or music supervision companies like there that's probably the better way into it um and i would just say reach out to those people have a reel of your work uh whatever even if you don't have a lot like um if you want to do composition you know that's not really what i do but there there is like getting a little bit more of like a hybrid model i think between the those sorts of things and so you can um you can kind of like do it from there. But I think, you know, with anything, it's it's you have to just show what you can do. And also, like, unfortunately, you know, as well, that helps you, like, get a foot in the door. But I think agency staff jobs are like, I don't I don't know if they're I don't I've, I have not heard of like an agency hiring somebody new in a very, very long time. Um, the, need, the need for. Yeah, the need for this this job exists. Like, I mean, there's a lot I and mean, it just it, it's. It's just how and where it's going to function, I think. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, if there's pl- like if there if there wasn't me sitting somewhere like it would be it would be very bad for everybody. People would be spending too much money. They would be getting sued. They would like creative work would not be as strong. I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why, like the job exists. It's just um, how it's I, I only like I said, I only say that because like I haven't seen I haven't heard of anybody and like it's a very it's a small world and we all know each other and i and i like i said i haven't heard of it in a while i mean we're more business affairs than we are creative i think a lot of people want to think that we just sit around and pick music but like that's maybe 10 percent of the job
0: yeah it's like music supervisors in hollywood same thing yep michael thank you for taking the time man i, I so much appreciate it as last time we talked it's great talking to you. I will get back to you, and I'm going to turn the uh, recorder off now so we can officially wrap it up, man. Cool. Thank you. Thanks. Theme music for Gig with Mike Redmond was composed and produced by Other Animal. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Gig with Mike Redmond. If you like what you heard, I'd ask that you subscribe and like us. And finally, if you have questions about a job or ideas for an episode, contact me at gigwithmikeredman at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Mike Redmond. signing off.